0: welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England supporters podcast. Thank you very much for all your recent comments. Always nice to hear from you. And the recent episodes, the one with Steve Ochko and the New Zealand one, were received really well. Thank you. And I know the New Zealand one was a little bizarre, but it was recorded well in advance of that game being called off. And I thought, well, as I'd spoken to various people about it, I'd watched the videos, I'd bought the programme, I'd read articles on it. I thought, why not? Maybe of interest to you. And so it proved to be. So thank you very much for uh, coming back to me on that one. Perhaps I'll, uh, perhaps I'll look at another individual game at some point in the future. Now I was going to leave the next episode as the Ireland, Belgium, Iceland preview one. But a few things have cropped up. I didn't just want to shoehorn them all into it and it become a messy episode. So I thought I'd put this one out as a sort of news roundup one, if you will. So I mentioned Ireland there, Republic of Ireland. As when the original Nations League fixtures were announced, we were due to play Belgium on the 12th of November. Covid then sort of caught in the air and that got shuffled around. Then New Zealand were arranged to play on that date, which we've already spoken about. That got scrapped. There was talk of Australia replacing them, which, frankly, was never going to happen. Well, not as far as I'm aware. Uh, But now the Republic of Ireland have stepped into the breach, and will now play them at Wembley on the 12th. Obviously, without us in attendance. Now I know we missed the Italy and the Denmark friendlies and there was also Romania at Vela Park and we were supposed to go to Austria as well, weren't we? Uh, But is it really necessary to replace them in these windows? We didn't play anyone in the September window. Then Wales were drafted in for October, now Ireland for November. got nothing against playing them, but are we actually contractually obliged to play these games as friendlies? Obviously, we're in the middle of a worldwide problem at the moment, and football isn't the most important thing. But when leagues around the world have been starting later, cramming more domestic games within a shorter period of time, games in European tournaments are being squeezed in, what's the point of an international friendly? Belgium and Iceland, I can understand, fair enough. But this is an additional game that, I don't know, doesn't really wash of me. I don't know how much power the TV companies have when it comes to England home friendlies. I'm sure ITV can't wield that much power, as again, especially when we won't be there. What if a player sustains a serious injury, puts him out for a long period of time? That's not going to go down too well with his club. I know it wouldn't under normal circumstances, but in a game like this, why not use this date as a training session at St George's Park? Or let the players have a short break and report for training a few days later. Don't know. Let's take Harry Kane as an example. Just looking ahead to the fixtures. Thursday the fifth of November, Spurs are away to Ludogorets in the Europa League. Saturday the seventh, they're away to West Brom, and at some point between then and the twelfth of November, he's going to report for England duty, ready to play against Ireland. Then off to Belgium for Sunday the 15th, before Iceland at home Wednesday the 18th. And then, on the 21st, Spurs are at home to Man City in the Premier League. It's a lot of games in a very short space of time. Obviously, he's unlikely to play in all of those, but he'll be in attendance in some sort of capacity as club and national captain all this travelling so much must take its toll in some way in the way that us supporters probably don't appreciate he's got two children at home and i believe his wife is pregnant at the moment i'm sure he could do just a little bit of a break couple of days off and on the subject of friendlies the lionesses were due to play away to germany on tuesday the 27th of october However, whilst they were in the middle of their training camp at St George's on the weekend of the 24th-25th, one of the Lionesses' backroom staff tested positive for coronavirus, so the FA quickly moved to cancel the match as a precaution, which was going to be played behind closed doors anyway. Which again, makes you wonder, why friendlies are worthwhile? Phil Neville was quoted as saying, while we all wanted to play Tuesday's game, this was absolutely the right course of action. I know the fans were hoping to see us play again, but I'm sure they will understand the decision. We've still had a good week of training, and they are looking forward to getting together next month before our match against Norway in Sheffield. Of course, that is a friendly, and we'll see if that materialises. Now, you may remember a couple of weeks back, I spoke with England futsal player Doug Reed about the sudden stop of FA funding for the England national futsal teams and the disappointment it had brought on. Now, we finished the conversation by hoping to speak again following their scheduled Euro qualifying playoff against North Macedonia, which was coming up early November. However, a little earlier than planned, Doug has joined me again. And not for the right reasons. Doug, you all right? Yeah, hi, thanks. Thanks for inviting me again, Russell. No, ah, you're welcome. I mean, we're we're speaking on Friday the thirtieth of October, which is a bit of a day of turmoil for you, your teammates, and, and basically the whole
1: futsal community, isn't it? Yeah, after the FA decision to pull us out of our UEFA qualifier, not even give us a chance to compete. Um yeah, we're all kind of distraught and I think before we were disappointed at the decisions with the funding and that the program uh, was going to close down the national team, but I think now it's 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 even turned into anger a bit at the way we've been treated, the way the sport's been treated. So yeah. Uh,
0: unsurprisingly, if you're feeling a lot of anger. I mean, did, did
1: you sort of even have an inkling, see this coming? Well, no, because they've said they've they've said the decision is because of COVID, but UEFA have put the same strict protocols in that they use for football and they'd asked us they told us all the situation. What would happen if if you got the if you got you know the infection and that we'd have to quarantine when we come back because the government don't consider us elite and all the players have said that's fine we're happy to travel so you know only a week away now um, from when we were meant to travel and we've been preparing just last night we were training out in the cold because the FA won't support us in hadn't been supporting us in our training um, we were all ready to go. And, yeah, they, they, it's another another shocking, another devastating decision for us. It's unbelievable. I think, let, let me just read what the FA have
0: said on their website, their, their statement, which, as you say, came out today. Uh, we can confirm that England will not travel to North Macedonia for next week's UEFA futsal Euro playoff matches. An FA spokesperson said player and staff safety is our primary concern across all England teams and it remains essential that we continue to follow UK government advice and our own COVID advisory group, England, uh, cage guidelines for our teams at both elite and non-elite level." Having undertaken a full and thorough risk assessment, the FA has regrettably decided to withdraw the England futsal team from the UEFA futsal Euro playoff games on the 8th and 9th of November in North Macedonia. We've taken into consideration the potential COVID quarantine requirements in North Macedonia in the event of a positive test from one or more of our players or staff. We've also looked closely at the UK government's advice around non-essential international travel at this time, as well as recognising the potential changes to COVID alert levels in the UK. We are very disappointed for the players and the staff who were looking forward to the tournament. However, the decision not to participate has been made after careful consideration and is solely based on the safety and well-being of all those involved. I'm sure you've read that a fair few times and I'm sorry to read it out again to you. (laughs) I mean, FA spokesperson, so many little things in this. The FA spokesperson,
1: do you know who that was? Have you spoken to them? How was this relayed to you? Yeah, I think that's just a way of keeping it anonymous. um, So there's no one to be accountable, which is, the whole way through this has been lack of transparency and a, um, a lack of accountability. And um, we were just told, we got an email 20 minutes before the announcement saying that th- that was the case. And there'll be an announcement in 20 minutes at 10 o'clock, um, which when we told about the end of the national team program, that, that got leaked first in the Guardian. The next day um, we got, it was the FA, we had a call and the FA did an announcement. So, yeah, we didn't even get a call this time to uh, to know about this situation or even consult us about it.
0: I mean, they they obviously sort of blaming it on on COVID, which is a is a legitimate reason. I mean, it's it's affecting a, a lot of people, not just in England, in the UK, around the world. But as you say, you've you've taken all the right steps to to get in your own bubble and and that side of things, and. I kind of look at this and think, okay, you're doing the right thing, but then I kind of look. Hang on, England senior men team are going to be going to to Belgium in their Nations League game next month. What's the difference?
1: Yeah, exactly. We had, you know, UEFA were going to test us seven days before the first game, then two days before the first game, then we travel, then when we arrive, we get tested again one day before the game. So. It was all, I mean, we'd stay in a bubble. We wouldn't go out in the public or anything. So, as you said, like, it, it, it doesn't really make sense. And then England are travelling to Belgium five days later, which has double the infection yeah. rate than North Macedonia, where we were travelling. And they're blaming COVID, but we know that they didn't book any flights. They hadn't booked the hotel. We were in a staying hotel in London the day before the flights. They hadn't booked that. So we're, and we can't trust anything, really. We found out through this situation, that the FA tells us, and we just... Can't believe that they were ever planning to send us. Really, I think they put an obstacle in our way by not supporting us in our preparations. We overcome that obstacle by coming together, traveling from all around the country to organize our own training. And I think this was the the final way they could make sure that we had no chance of qualifying um, to the next round of qualifiers. Yeah, so it, shocking! Just, it's, it's incredible from a national association. It's it's almost unbelievable. Really. I mean, when when we last
0: spoke, you mentioned that if the FA pulled out back when we spoke, it would cost them to pull out. I mean, is is that still the case? Do we know how much this is going to cost the FA to pull out of this of these two games?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure whether because they can blame COVID, whether they'll they'll get away with it, whether UEFA will let them off, or they'll still find them. You have got to remember that England are the only national association that have done this. Or across Europe. The whole of Europe is playing in these qualifiers. Um and England is the only team that is pulling out. And it's the only team that's saying they're ending the national team as well because of COVID. So it's very strange behaviour to to blame it only on COVID. And yeah, um, I'm not sure what the ramifications for them, but they're what they will avoid is if we qualify, they would have had to fund us for another six games of qualification um of qualifying games though. So, that's what they've avoided, really, I think, and that's maybe why they've done it.
0: It's so strange because also recently there was, a, oh, was there a, an advertising campaign by one of the, uh, the FA's foot sale sponsors, Pokemon. Uh, I've got to be honest, I'm not the, the biggest Pokemon <laughs> fan. I, I think I've passed the age of that. But, hey, it's it's bring, it was or is bringing in some finances for the game. But even that was a little bit strange, wasn't it?
1: Yes, that was announced just last year um, that it was a a partnership with Pokemon for Futsal. They announced it to support our national Futsal program and they were going to work with Pokemon to support the men's Futsal team. Um, It was a record investment, they said, over three years. And now hardly any money uh, is left for Futsal. So it's really strange. And we've, we've asked the question, we've asked Mark Bullingham, the CEO of the FA, where's that money gone? He hasn't really answered. He just said, They'll be spending money on the youth Futsal cup, but that's a very small amount of money, and it doesn't. It wasn't. There isn't money for what they announced the partnership was meant to be for. So, yeah, very strange, and just we don't know where that money's gone. And we, we that's the kind of transparency we've been asking for, begging for, really, and we haven't got from the FA.
0: Yeah, I mean the
1: the, the video that I saw
0: uh, for the Pokemon promotion. I mean, it, it featured Raheem Sterling. Uh, there was Tammy Abraham there I think there was Rachel Yankee as well all sort of being
1: filmed up at St George's Park on on your pitch really wasn't it yeah the, the pitch we can't use at the moment they, they had not supported us to allow us to use their own futsal arena which at the home of the England national teams um, St George's Park yeah I mean we did initially when the partnership came out I remember we did a uh, marketing for them it was the day before we had important games be Germany but we, we, you know, we sacrificed a bit of our training session to carry out these training exercises, these challenges um, for them for for the Pokemon partnership. But obviously, that's quickly forgotten now. And uh, yeah, they've got other people in to uh, promote promote the uh, foot sound now, as you said on our, on our pitch. So, North
0: Macedonia, what? Well, who's has any of any of you guys been in touch with them, their their side, or or is it just all gone through the FA? Uh yeah, all through the FA, yeah. We we haven't been in touch with anyone. It's crazy, crazy situation. So oh, well, I guess begs the next question. Where where does this leave you guys now?
1: Yeah, well, I suppose now it's the the end of the England futsal team. It's been going since 2003, 17 years of investment from the FA to build futsal to where it is now. You know, you've got 15,000 qualified futsal coaches. All that investment's been, over those previous years, has now gone to waste, really. I mean, but for us, we will keep fighting. We not only fight for the national team, but we'll fight for the wider futsal community. Um, So many people, this game, this sport means so much to them, gives so much, to their lives so yeah we're not giving up we're gonna keep trying to get wider support to back our campaign to get these decisions overturned like we know we know Covid is a really difficult situation we know there's going to be cuts but this this isn't this isn't about Covid cuts this is an attack on on the sport of football. Crazy it's absolutely unbelievable the more I saw about it the more frustrated on your behalf
0: and gutted on your behalf I, I felt it's it's really is a strange situation I mean is there can you sort of start an independent England futsal
1: organisation yourself is that a, sort of a possibility I mean you could start an organisation but you wouldn't be able to participate in UEFA futsal um Euros or FIFA World Cups so that's all got to be through the FA um so Yeah, I mean, whether that's something that can happen in the future, as it seems the FA is pulling out completely from futsal, Um, I don't know. But (laughs) at the moment, we're still trying to focus on working with the FA. Um, It's such a beneficial sport. It brings not only so many participants for the FA, but also it's a great sport to help develop uh, better players for the football team as well. So we just feel like it's not only in people's playing football's interest, but it's in the FA's own interest to put a little bit of investment in this sport. And we're already seeing the fruits of that with, like I said, the growing participation, growing number of coaches involved. And we've also had recently Max Kilman getting a man-of-the-match performance uh, in the Premier League. He had 25 appearances for the England futsal team before he signed for his current club, Wolves. So, yeah. It's, Things it's were strange. on the
0: right path. They were going the right way.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's all, that, all that money that's been put, put into futsal over the years and Not just money, but a lot of time and a lot of effort by people is is now going to waste because of a few people it seems in the f a who for some reason, have something against the sport
0: i really don 't know what to say well um, all i can all I can say is that i uh, I wish you guys all the very best pass on sort of best wishes to your teammates and and everyone else within the futsal community and i hope hope that they can get this overturned that you can uh, uh, get, get things back on track
1: yeah thank you thanks again for inviting us and giving us this platform to to tell your listeners about our situation and again if, if any of them can support us in any way even if it's just you know kicking up a fuss on social media yeah we really appreciate it
0: yeah what's your twitter account once more uh my one is doug reed futsal reed R-E-D. lovely i will as before i'll uh, i'll plug to that as well
1: thanks very much Russell.
0: Thanks to Doug there, real kick in the teeth for the futsal side, really don't know how they move on from that, but I wish them all the very best of luck. Now I'm sure you've seen in the news the sad passing of World Cup winner Nobby Stiles, who died aged 78 on Friday the 30th of October. Nobby, or Norbert, had been struggling with dementia and also prostate cancer. Of course, famously played for Manchester United, but also played 40-plus games for both Middlesbrough and Preston North End. But for England fans, he'll always be remembered for his jig on the Wembley pitch, celebrating the 1966 World Cup win, which in turn was mentioned in the Three Lions Euro 96 song by Skinner and (laughs) Badil. Which was then amended for the 1998 version. Nobby made 28 appearances for England, only scoring once at home to West Germany in 1966. No, not that game a friendly in February of that year. Which, incidentally, was Jeff Hurst's debut. Near half-time, fullback George Cohen put the ball in the goal, Mouth. Hunt's header didn't quite make it, but Styles scored. Not an inspiring night for either side, but England won 1-0. Nobby, though, made his England debut in 1965, aged 22, in a home match against Scotland, drawing 2-2. And his last cap also came against Scotland in 1970, ahead of the Mexico World Cup. Alf Ramsey took him to Mexico, but he never made it to the pitch. Now, back in 2010, Nobby had to sell his World Cup medal and his European Cup Winners' Medal that he won with United. He sold them for the benefit of his family. His World Cup winning medal fetched a hundred and sixty thousand pounds. Fortunately, though, they went into the hands of Manchester United. Now, during this podcast, it feels sad that I am mentioning players from sixty six more often now as time goes by. Nobby joins Sir Alf Ramsey, Bobby Moore, Ray Wilson, Alan Ball, Gordon Banks, Martin Peters, Peter Bonetti, Jimmy Arnfield, Jerry Byrne. Norman Hunter and most recently Jack Charlton, who are no longer with us. Also, on Wednesday the 21st of October, Gordon Astle passed away. Gordon represented England twice in 1956. He was England's oldest living player and he made his debut away to Finland, even scored in the 5-1 win, a debut goal. And his second cap, came against West Germany a few days later in a 3-1 win. Gordon played for Plymouth Argyle, Birmingham City and Torquay United. He was aged 93 and he too had been struggling with dementia. Thoughts go out to both Nobby and Gordon's family and friends. Now whilst it may seem like the Qatar World Cup is still a long time away, the draw for the qualifiers is due to take place on the 7th of December in Zurich in Switzerland, 5pm UK time. And you may have seen I mentioned this on Twitter. I've mentioned it before. I do like a draw, the anticipation of all those names coming out. But this could well be tarnished by the possibility of not being able to attend some of or all of the games. The idea of drawing a nation we've not played before or in a long time And not being able to go fills me, and I know fellow travel club members, with a lot of disappointment. Going to have to wait and see on this one. Uh, But with regards to the qualifiers, Europe is one of the last to get underway. Africa, Asia and South America, well, they've already begun. But on the European front, it's highly likely we'll be one of the ten seeded nations. Group-wise... There'll be five groups of six and five groups of five. All the group matches are scheduled to be played in March, September, October and November with playoffs in March 2022. I think they were talking about having a or originally having some games in June, but I think it's all been shuffled about because of COVID. And as is always the case now, There are various caveats to the draw, with prohibited clashes, winter venues and excessive travel. Nations League rankings also comes into it too. I'd hate to be in charge of pulling the names out of the hat and organising this. But anyway, I'm sure we'll talk about it, the reaction to the draw, nearer the time. So it's not been the most cheerful of episodes, but it's all things that have been happening to our England teams. Hopefully the next episode will bring a little more cheer as we look ahead to the forthcoming games against Ireland, Belgium and Iceland and can top this awful year off with qualification to the Nations League Finals. As always, thank you for listening. You can follow the Three Lions Podcast on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast on all of them. And you can find all the older episodes at threelionspodcast.com And at your podcast provider of choice. So until the next time, look after yourselves, each other. Follow the guidelines as painful as they may be. And I'll speak with you again soon. Cheers.